so good to be with you today. It's such a wonderful time to be able to, to share God's word and to, to come together and glorify him in all that we do. The scripture reference for our study today is from James 1, it's verses 2 through 8, and then verse 12. And join me as we read. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of sea that is driven and tossed by wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, because he is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Join me in prayer. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this, this word that you have given us. We thank you so much that you guide us and that you direct us, that you give us that ability to be able to know what you require of us through your word. And Father, more than anything, you help us to understand your word through the help of the Holy Spirit. You've provided that too. So Father, I pray that we glorify you today. I pray that, that we have open hearts and we have that ability to be able to, to understand and then to live what you would have us to live through this portion of your word today. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. It's so good to be with you today. Uh, for those of you who are visiting the church, my name is Scott Stevens, and I'm the counseling pastor here at West End Baptist. Our pastor, Marty Price, is on vacation with his family, who's it's much needed vacation time for him as much as he's been working over the past few months. But today we're beginning a five-week study in the book of James. A couple of months ago, I had the opportunity to go out of town with a dear friend of mine, and during that time together, we, we reminisced about the old times, we talked about our lives, and then we, of course, talked about theology, and we had several theological dis discussions. But in our conversations, he mentioned that there's a verse that he has determined to live his life by, and that's James 1.5. And in that verse, it states that if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives it without reproach. Now, reproach means that he gives it without disapproving of us asking. It, it gives, we, he gives it without showing shame or having shame for us asking or outrage or disappointment. The verse then states that if you ask in faith, what you ask will be given to you. Now, in this situation, the verse is not talking about receiving things. It's, it's talking about receiving wisdom from God. You know, we have a tendency at times to ask for things. We ask for a new car or a new house or a boat. When we ask God for things, many times we ask for things. But asking is, asking for wisdom is not necessarily the 
top of the list when we go to God and, and ask him for something. Scripture tells us, though, that obtaining wisdom is greater than any material possession that we, we might desire. It's more profitable than silver. Its wages are, uh, the wages of wisdom are greater than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you can desire can compare with the value of wisdom. In Proverbs 4, 7, we read that the beginning of wisdom of all things, is to get wisdom. The writer goes on to say that even if it costs you all that you have, you need to get understanding. You need to get wisdom. In another verse, it's written that the man who finds wisdom and gets understanding is a happy man. Now, most of us today we, we want to be happy. It seems that everyone is seeking happiness in, in their lives. And we think that a new job or a new home, living in a new city, a new relation, a relationship, all of these things, and then more of it, will bring us happiness. We think that if we can get out of the rut that we're in, that we'll be happy. And this kind of happiness, though, is, is fleeting. It won't last. And if you disagree with that, just read Ecclesiastes. Solomon had everything, and yet he saw that it was fleeting, that it had no real value to it. But situations change, and possessions wear out. People we once desired to be around now get on our nerves. Scripture tells us that eternal happiness the happiness that everybody seeks only comes from the wisdom that God provides. So God has promised that if we seek wisdom, we will receive it. And God also provides wisdom to us through three different ways. God provides his wisdom in his word. God provides wisdom through the Holy Spirit. And God provides wisdom through others, through wise Christians that are in our lives. Scripture clearly states that the basis or the foundation for all wisdom that God provides is from his word, is from the Bible. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us through God's word. The Spirit helps us to understand what God is telling us. Without this help, without the help of the Spirit, we can't understand what's written in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 6 11 and 12 tells us that no man can comprehend the thoughts of God except through the Spirit of God. And this passage goes on to say that the Spirit has been sent from God so that we might understand the things that have been given to us by God. 2 Timothy 3.16 declares that Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So we see that wisdom, true wisdom, the wisdom that we want to grasp comes from Scripture. And we can understand that wisdom because the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. God has also blessed us with many people around us to help us to understand God's Word. We've got wonderful teachers, Oregon and Tim here in the class. 
we've, we've uh, in our Sunday school classes, help us to understand the word of God. These people are wise and can impart, and can impart wisdom which they have learned through study and through, through much time in the Word, through their preaching and through, through Marty's teaching and, I'm, and my teaching. I would also add that wisdom can come from counselors and from friends, uh, those who can come alongside us on a day-to-day basis. We've got friends here within the church that we can rely on to help us through those tough circumstances in life. If we would just rely on them to impart wisdom into our lives. Proverbs 9.10 states that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. John Piper has a perspective about the fear of the Lord that I think makes a lot of sense. He writes that to fear the Lord is to fear life without him. We should be afraid to do anything without the Lord and without his guidance, without his help. We should be too afraid to seek refuge. We should be too afraid to seek joy or hope anywhere other than what God, uh, through God. And in other words, when you think of this, we should be fearfully aware of the tragedy of losing our trust or dependence on God to meet our needs. So above all else, we should seek wisdom and we must diligently search the word of God and what he is telling us in the scripture and we need to listen to those people who are wise in the scripture and wise in what God would tell us. So I want to take a few minutes and talk about the book of James. Uh, It's important that as we read scripture, as we read anything, that uh, we understand the author, we understand the, the context that he is trying to, to uh, share with us, the context that he is writing from. So who the author is and the circumstance that he is writing from is most important. So James is an interesting book. Uh, if you've read James, you can see that it is considered wisdom literature. As a matter of fact, some people refer to it as the New Testament book of Proverbs. It is wonderful guidance from God that we can apply to many of the circumstances in our life. James teaches us in a way that shows that we are to apply the teaching to the situations that arise in everyday life. He shows the the importance of and relevance of faith in the Lord as we're making decisions throughout our lifetime. And then the faith that we need to carry out those decisions as we move forward. The author of this book is James, the James that is the brother of Jesus. And what's interesting, James was a leader of the Jerusalem church and presided over the council of Jerusalem Uh, which is written of in in Acts 15. But James was skeptical of Jesus' claims of being the Messiah during his earthly ministry. But James came to the faith and came to be uh, a believer. He was converted 
when he witnesses, witnessed Jesus' resurrection. Now, it's thought that the book was written in A.D. 44, which may make it the earliest New Testament writing. And this was a period of time that marked the beginning of the persecution of the Jewish people uh, and the Gentile people as they became believers in Jesus. The book is addressed to the 12 tribes of the dispersion, which mostly uh, refers to the church's spread throughout Asia Minor. The dispersion refers to those tribes that were scattered because of, uh, uh, they were scattered in exile because of the persecution that they were experiencing throughout this time. The verse also mentioned the Old Testament reference to the 12 tribes of Israel. So in this case, it may have been a circular letter that actually went to each one of the churches that were in the area in Asia, Asia Minor for the Jewish congregation. So this was for congregations in many places. So the book of James addresses common issues and problems that impacted Christian congregations wherever they were located. So as we mentioned before, this book focuses on practical living, but not just living life as, as, as a, a worldly person does. It's practical Christian living, glorifying God in the way that we live life. One of the most important themes in the book is perseverance during suffering. In this book, James calls believers to patiently persevere in faith. He also emphasizes that abiding by the right doctrine, but that doctrine doesn't result in God, godly character is lacking. So if we think that we're living the right way, but we don't live the right way, that, that godly principle or that godly uh, doctrine that we're trying to live by is not really productive. It's not really, it's not really showing who we are in Christ. The Christian is to have godly character that bears fruit. So James make it, makes it clear in this letter that God is the one who is the giver of wisdom. He is holy and can't be tempted by evil. He is the giver of all good things, and he is the one who has given us the moral law. Now, in the book of James, we have over 50 important commands in just 108 verses, so it's jammed, packed, full of wisdom. And I would recommend that you go through and study this book because it is so much meat to it that we can apply to our everyday lives. James is a letter of exhortation, so it's building people up, but it also uh, helps us to understand the inner workings of who we are. He helps us to understand how sin works within us and how unbelief disrupts every aspect of our life. He shows us how testing produces endurance and how we don't utilize prayer as much as we should. He teaches that self-centeredness and anger destroy righteousness. Another thing that's interesting regarding James' writing, James has referenced at least 22 of Christ's sermons. And throughout this book, James mentioned 
every one of the Beatitudes in one way or another. So, for instance, in today's verse, James 1, verse 5, it tells us to seek wisdom from God. And this is a reference to Matthew 7, 7, where we read about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So, as we've mentioned before, one thing to remember in everything that we do, that when we seek wisdom, God is the giver of all wisdom. And he's provided the Holy Spirit to help us to understand what he has written in the scriptures. And then the Holy Spirit goes one step further and helps us to live his word in our lives. We all need wisdom. We all need God's help to navigate through the troubles that we have in life. Suffering, pain, and trials are something that we all live with on a daily basis. And sadly, there's not a day that goes by when we don't know of someone who is going through some very hard circumstance. When we are experiencing pain or suffering or perhaps some trial in life, it can be hard to understand why we have to suffer. Furthermore, when we hear a passage like James 1, it can be hard to, hard to understand all of what God's trying to do in our life. So let me reread this pastor passage. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials or meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have it have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When we're suffering, when I'm suffering, the last thing I feel like doing is being joyful. Yet James is here in this passage, James here in this passage is telling us that we should find joy in the various trials that we are encountering. Now, remember, as James wrote this letter, he was writing to Christians who were displaced through Asia because of the persecution that they were experiencing by professing their faith in Christ. But he is speaking to us just as well. And although we were not experiencing the persecution that these saints were having to suffer through, we do suffer at the hands of others. People do things either on purpose or not on purpose that hurt us. And we also suffer because of our own sinfulness. When we sin, God may allow us to suffer the repercussions of our actions. I think that in this passage, James is speaking specifically about the suffering that we encounter due to the actions of other people. The American Standard Version and the King James Version of the Bible translate the phrase meet trials as we meet trials, as, as we fall into trials. And David Jeremiah writes that falling into is probably a good translation, but he likes the word encounters as we encounter trials. He adds that the way that this phrase is used, more than likely these Christians were experiencing suffering at the hands of others rather than suffering because of their own sinfulness. 
So these Jews, you know, these Jewish people were suffering because of persecution. They were being treated badly because of their faith in Christ. And we're fortunate, blessed actually, that, that we don't have to suffer in this way at this time. We still have the freedom to assemble. Just being here in this place shows that. We can worship the Lord without being threatened. This doesn't mean, though, that we're not experiencing some sort of trial in our life, something that we're going through that, that is tough. It may be the loss of a job. It may be financial strain or devastation even. Uh, problems with children, problems with parents, illness or death in the family, relational problems with a spouse or friend. It could be one thing or it could be several things all at once. But we're all going through some circumstance that we need to learn how to utilize the wisdom of God to be able to help us through it. Now, the word James uses here in this verse is interesting. He doesn't say count it joy, but he says count it all joy. It's thought here that James is saying that the person should have joy that is unmixed with any other emotion. It's the same as count it only joy or count it nothing but joy. Notice, too, that James does not say, count it all joy if you meet various or trials of various kinds. He tells us to count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds. Now, the words that James writes in this passage contradict what we want to do, what we feel like doing when a trial or, or a circumstance comes in our life that brings about suffering. The last thing we want to do is be joyful. And sadly, I think that many Christians believe that because they're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that life will be easy, that life will be prosperous, that being a Christian will make life easier and all of our problems go away. There are some pastors who will preach that if you have enough faith or do the right things, you'll be prosperous and you'll be happy. And this is just not the case. Passages throughout Scripture tell us that we will suffer. And as a matter of fact, there are multiple passages that tell us to rejoice in our suffering. It's not just James. Paul, in his letters to, letter to the Romans, tells us that we will suffer and we should rejoice in that suffering because that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Peter writes that we should not be surprised when the fiery trial comes upon us to test us as if something strange was happening. Here he also tells us to rejoice Insofar as you share in Christ's suffering, he tells us to rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed through our suffering. And if you've been living for a while, you know that we are going to experience suffering in this life. James, Paul, and Peter each tell us that we are to rejoice during our times of suffering. Each one of these great men of God 
have the same explanation for why we should rejoice. It makes us more like Jesus Christ. It makes us better. Looking back at our passage, James writes that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And as we read in Romans, Paul states that the suffering produces endurance, which produces character and hope. And Peter explains that it helps us to see, see the example that Christ left for us. And in turn, we can follow in his steps. We can emulate him as we experience those trials and the suffering that we are in. We are to act as Christ acts. So James makes it clear that we should not seek to avoid or do anything that will weaken the benefits of the trials that we experience. So many times, that's our natural reaction. We want to get away from the suffering that we're in. And we don't look at it from a godly perspective, from the perspective that God is using this particular circumstance to help us to grow. Look, God loves us. He loves his children. And he's promised that he's not going to do anything or allow anything to happen in our lives that does not help us in some way and through that does not glorify him. We have to remember that these circumstances always have purpose. And with that hope, we know that with that purpose, we can make it through, we can endure because it's producing something better in us. As we endure the trials of our lives and we let them have their full effect, we're enduring to the end. It allows us to fully benefit from that experience. I can remember so many times in my life where I've had situations that have come about that, that I think, God, why are you allowing this particular circumstance in my life right now? And then two years later, God, why are you allowing this same circumstance in my life right now? Then two years later, the same situation. What's God trying to tell me? I've never, in those circumstances, I didn't take the chance to just step back and see what God was wanting me to learn, what he was teaching me through those circumstances. Yes, I did grow through those circumstances, but if I had been much more pliable at that time, maybe the circumstances wouldn't have lasted that long and they wouldn't have reoccurred. Who knows? But if we do the opposite, if we break down not realizing that God has a loving purpose for allowing the particular circumstances, the stance that we're in, and we give in to our feelings and our, the pressures of the situation, and we become to the point where we want to move it on, we want to get out of the situation that we're in, we become less complete than we might have become. One author compared this to running a race. We've got a lot of runners in here. And it's running a race almost to the finish line only to quit 
before he reaches it because of the pain and the exertion that's involved. So the finish line is right there at those doors and I get right here and I stop because it's just too painful to go the rest of the way. The full effect of the endurance that we're to have is what we will gain whenever God believes that or we'll gain whatever God believes we are lacking that will make us more like Jesus in this life. So why does God allow suffering? C.S. Lewis has a great explanation for God, why God allows it in our life. He writes, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Suffering causes us to focus, or our focus to turn inward, and God then uses that suffering to develop us into better people. As a people who can love him and enjoy him forever. The reason that followers of Christ should rejoice during various trials is that these trials are a means by which God works to build our faith and trust in him. It is analogous to gold or silver being refined and made pure in fire. Faith, when tested by the fires of adversity, is strengthened and in turn the person becomes more and more like Jesus Christ through that process. When we practice our faith, when we grow and we learn to act as he did during those trying circumstances, we become more like Christ. The challenge is not to respond in the way that we habitually do. We should not go to the place in our minds where all we consider are the problems and we think about uh, the worst of the circumstances as we find them. Our challenge is having the right mindset and consider the fact that we belong to God. He loves us and he is using the circumstance for our good. He promises in Romans 8, just as I mentioned before, that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We are to have a response of joy because the testing we are experiencing creates fortitude, staying power, endurance. It creates a deeper, stronger, and more certain faith in God. In verse 12, James writes, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The 
then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and then sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, here, James emphasizes the need for endurance. To endure means to remain under. It means to hang in there when things get tough, just like anything we want to learn and perfect. Endurance is obtained through practice. We must continually practice faith and endure during these times of trials so that in the process, we grow stronger. During our life, we'll experience many trials. That's a given. And as we go through these experiences, we should be building our faith on the previous lessons that we've learned. I should have learned from that two years ago trial enough to help me to be stronger during the same trial this time around. And further on, as we go through life, we learn from those experiences in a way that helps us to react in a way that glorifies God. As we grow in faith, we glorify God. We show that he is the focus of our lives. And as a result of our growing faith and reliance on God, we will win the race and receive the crown of life in which God has promised to those who love him. We have wonderful hope during these times that we do go through these suffers, uh, suffering and uh, go through this suffering and through these trials. Paul, in his letters, uh, letter to the Corinthians, writes, "Blessed to, or blessed be to, uh, be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble." and with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. As we respond in faith and we trust in God, he provides us the wisdom, the power, and the comfort we need to navigate through the trial in a way that strengthens us and brings him glory. Another way that we the way that the trials that we experience bring God glory is through the opportunity to utilize the lessons that we learn to come alongside others and help them as they are suffering. And most of you do that. Most of you know of those people who need a helping hand and come alongside them and help them. It's through your suffering, through the trials that you've experienced that you have that ability to understand wisely how to help another person. We refer to that as one anothering. And uh, this one anothering is what Paul is discussing in the verse when he says, that way we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So the comfort that we receive from God we can teach to others. We can show others. And it's a glorious thing. And we're encouraged as a body of Christ to share those experiences with other people and help those other people through those particular circumstances. In verse 5, James tells us to seek wisdom. When James tells us to try and obtain that wisdom, the implication here is for the Christian that wisdom may not be a part of our lives. Now, that's hard to believe. If we're to continue to seek after wisdom, the converse of that is that you don't have it. 
So wisdom is practically oriented. It's a virtue that gives direction for the life of the Christian, but wisdom gives us insight into the will of God, but we're to always be seeking it. We never have enough. And it's through the word of God and through other people and through, through the Holy Spirit's help that we're able to obtain that wisdom. The wisdom that is most practical, practical for us as Christ followers is found in the word of God. And that's one of the reasons why we need to be in the word of God all the time. We have the Bible reading that we're doing on a daily basis. I encourage you to do that. If you can't be in the word reading, be in the word listening. Let the word touch your heart in the way that it's meant that God intends for it to, the way that it's meant to. And you can apply those things to your lives in a wise way. But we must be constantly in his word, understanding and uh, using that practical guidance in a way that lives a life that glorifies God. And we also utilize his wisdom in the word to help us to understand how to love other people. The greatest commandment that we have is to love God with all our being, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And of course, the second greatest commandment is to love other people more than we love ourselves. How do we do that if we're not in the word of God? How do we do that if we don't understand his ways and aren't utilizing his word to help us to do that? We can't do it on our own. The wisdom that we need does not come through our experiences alone. We are to ask God for it. And God has made a promise here that he will keep. In Proverbs 2, we read that God gives wisdom. From his mouth comes the knowledge and understanding. And I believe that in every circumstance that we are in that may be trying, we should pray that God will provide some sort of understanding there's an exaltation from James that we must adhere to in this. As we ask God for wisdom, we are to ask God in faith. In verses 6 and 7, James says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, because he is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So God has promised if we ask for that wisdom, he will give it abundantly and without scolding us for asking for it. And if we ask, though, we have to ask in faith. Because if we ask doubting that he will keep his word, we can't expect to receive what we need. An interesting comment that was made about addressing, uh, or uh, that was made about doubting God, and as we as we ask Him for something, it said to doubt in prayer is to only strengthen the doubt, since it leads to self-fulfilling prediction. We pray and excuse not getting the wisdom that we sought for by saying, "See." I didn't think I'd get it anyway. When we find ourselves in this circumstance, we must get into God's word. We must pray. We need to learn the character of God and learn to trust his promises, particularly when we're in situations of suffering. 
Most Christians find the pursuit of faith and holiness a very difficult task. But the book of James is going to help us to understand what God requires so that we'll grow in this faith and holiness that he would have us do. Join me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this word. Thank you for this time that we're able to talk about the practical issues of living a life that brings honor and glory to you. Father, I just thank you so much that you provide us guidance through your word and that if we look, if we listen, if we, we are in the word the way that we should be, that we will see your ways, that we will have the ability to understand what you would have us to do. And then through the help of your Holy Spirit, through the change of the heart that he brings about, he will give us the ability to be able to act in a way that fulfills that word. Father, I just pray that we do that, that we commit to you by understanding who you are through your word. And we commit to the wisdom that you would give us through your word. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for your son, Jesus. And in, it's in his holy name we pray. Amen.